Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Politics in the Pulpit, a lectionary-based resource designed to ask the provocative question of whether, and if so how, politics should appear in our preaching this week. My name is Lee Battle and I am a United Reformed Church Minister here in Cardiff where I currently work in an ecumenical setting. Each week I am joined by a guest from a different place and space on the pulpit and political landscape and today I am really pleased to introduce to you the Reverend Dr Lena Tort. Lena is Assistant Principal and Lecturer in Practical Theology at the Scottish Baptist College UK. Lena is also Senior Research Fellow at the IBTS Centre in the Netherlands. She is a musician and an artist as well as a theologian and has a particular interest in ethics, spirituality and theology of culture. She is the author of Singleness and Marriage After Christendom and Transforming the Struggles of Tamar's Single Women and Baptistic Communities. Lena is also Senior Lecturer, Fellow of Higher Education Academy, Editor of Theology in Scotland Journal and Chair of the Worship and Spirituality Commission of the Baptist World Alliance. And so, Lena, thank you so much for joining us today. Politics in the pulpit. I wonder then what that means for you. And could you tell us a little bit about yourself and and if you see yourself as a pulpit politician? That's good to be with you, Lee. Uh, yes, an interesting question. I think for me, because of where I grew up and where I grew up was... Lithuania, as we know the country now, but of course then it was known as one of the Soviet socialist republics of the Soviet Union. So a very different experience of living under the Soviet regime, which um, shall we say did not take too kindly to the church. Um, In terms of politics, obviously, we couldn't say anything explicitly Mm. from the pulpit or in fact, in any other place, if you if you wanted to <laughs> survive in many ways, yeah. mind you, jokes were an important way, but you needed to know where and how you could, what kind of jokes you could you could say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but when it came to, <laughs> to to politics in the pulpit, of course, even not saying something was saying something. Politics, yeah, of course, impacted all of our life one way or another. Um, so you just kind of had to learn to navigate it, uh, both in terms of speaking between the lines as you preached from one text or another way. I didn't preach. I was too little. But yeah. my dad w- was and still is a minister. So I kind of could okay. see that <laughs> the kitchen yeah. there. Um, so so that was one thing. And knowing that somehow it's 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 always there. It's always a challenge. My own family had paid a big price for their faith. They had been deported to Siberia during Stalinist times. So I kind of grew up with that understanding that, you know, this faith thing is, it it, it can be really costly. Um, What it meant in practice, I think, as I reflect on our life at that time is that 
the churches really gave up social engagement quite easily. You know, the 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 state yeah. took that over. You know, um, everything was in the state's hands. What they really resisted was um, restrictions of freedoms to preach the gospel, and preaching the gospel was limited really to. Uh, things of the soul so to speak yeah, yeah not so much for the body so I think there was a dualism of of a certain kind that was uh, perhaps exasperated by the circumstances that said I think Christianity usually suffers from the temptation of dualism of some sort yeah, it does, um, yeah. <laughs> so um so that's that's what it was I think um in a way I it was really a new experience uh for me coming coming out of such a uh, such a background to yeah. to consider ways in which engagement with political questions can be done in a healthy um, yeah. constructive life-giving way i think I, I think it's difficult for for ch- for church whatever circumstance yeah. it, it finds itself in yeah yeah exactly and and so from your context now, what are the key justice issues or political events that surround your work um, and your preaching and, and I guess influence your faith um, now? Mm, yeah. Well, on the one hand, as, as we were already observing, politics and faith are kind of always there. Yeah. And at the same time, there is a tendency for us to come compartmentalize them and I think my kind of instinctive almost striving uh, effort is always to find a way of integration Um, and it's difficult isn't it partly depends of course how you define politics yes (laughs) Uh, right so in, in but in the sense of it being about our life in this place this church this town this country this planet then of course it's always there Right. Yeah. 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 So in the pulpit, I think I seek to help people to connect the two, to seek that integration, to resist the illusion of compartmentalization. But yeah. you can't do it by preaching at the people. No. So no. so the task, as I see it, is to draw the people, draw myself at the same time into the story of the scripture, of yeah. particular stories that we're exploring. And by stories, I mean any any bit yeah. of 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 the bible and then and then and then see what happens um, yeah yeah so in, think, in this kind of in, in, in indirect perhaps way in, um yeah way. no uh, i th- i think you're right i think we automatically when we talk about politics especially at the moment with it being so turbulent we lean towards party politics and preaching that from the pulpit is a preach at isn't it it's it's a it's a preaching of kind of I guess your own views in a sense if you're preaching party politics but then to actually preach the politics that affects every one of our beings our bodies our mind you know everything is almost kind of so inherent that it's not needed to be discussed because we have to discuss it because if we don't, we've separated faith and politics, and and that makes church just about an hour on a Sunday, then doesn't it? Rather than it actually being about something that we take away into our beings for the whole week. 
you, you know, and kind of come and talk about again. I think that's the way I try to navigate politics in the pulpit. I don't always get it right, but you know. <laughs> well, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, but and again, you, what you mentioned is so important, isn't it? If 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 all we have is that one hour once a week, then there's not much hope. So how how do we even in the pulpit, you know, kind of um, help people to see the connection with the rest of the week and seek to transform to, yeah. to invite them into a transformation of the rest of the week? Uh, yeah. Particularly when we have a situation where perhaps people in our community might hold to diametrically opposite views, and that's yeah. that's that's a challenge we've become much more aware of the last few years, haven't we? It is very much so, and um, that leads us into thinking about the world around us at the moment. And each week, I ask my JPIC colleagues for a little roundup of their expertise and what they think we might want to keep an eye on in this week. And so some of the issues might be, we've just heard that Rishi Sunak will be our prime minister um, by the time our preaching is done on Sunday. Uh, he's the only person left in the race and so therefore will be our new prime minister. China's president Xi Jinping has gained a third term in office, filling his cabinet with loyalists. We obviously have the ongoing war in um, Ukraine and the use of different forms of weapons with drones and, and things like that. We also have, um, unfortunately, more extreme weather events, flooding in Nigeria um, and the hurricane in Mexico. And so also it is, um, we continue in with Black History Month in October. This week is One World Week, and on the 24th of October, it is the UN Day of Peace. And so with all that, with all of that news, with all of us and the politics around us, I wonder if there is a particular place or theme that you wanted to start with as we look at the lectionary readings for the week ahead? Mm. Yes, um, not much is going on, right? Yeah. <laughs> where where do we even start? I I think immediately two things come to my mind, and maybe they're primarily pastoral. And one yeah. is one is the need of hope, where yeah. I think there's just so much, well, hopelessness, cynicism, disappointment, fear, if not panic. Um, and the second thing, which perhaps is also connected to the first, is creating space or encouraging a creation of space for our complaint, which yeah. uh, Habakkuk, uh, <laughs> you know, is 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 one place perhaps to do that to name our protest, our disappointment, our questioning of yeah. God's role in, in, in all that is going around and especially all that sense of injustice. Because I think if there's one thing that describes almost yeah. anything that you've mentioned is how unjust it is to, yeah. to the people who, who desperately need uh, justice and haven't been getting it for such a long time. Exactly. And I think with everything 
feeling like it's been so turbulent for so long. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel and I felt a real sense of dejection amongst people, almost that that sense of these turbulent events aren't just coming every so often. They just seem to be happening at such speed that people are almost like, what is the point? It's it's a really hopeless place because it's also a place of having no control. It's a, it's almost a place where you relinquish the control, isn't it? And you just mm-hmm. kind of like, what, what is that? I've got no say in any of this anymore. And, and just that feeling of, I guess, almost being done to rather than having any semblance of control yourself over your life and 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 what your life affords you yeah yeah indeed indeed and uh, which is why probably Habakkuk can can (laughs) create that that space that we talked about um although I wish I wish the lectionary um didn't sort of chop chop uh, the the readings we have a little bit of the 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 beginning of the first chapter and then immediately the second chapter so we um miss some of that forth and back between the prophet and god yeah um I, i think that would be one of the things that i would love to see perhaps especially in the context of intercessions yeah uh as as we think about all all this injustice and all the despondency as you were saying um, and then move carefully towards the end of the passage as we have it. So um, the, the one in the second chapter where, yeah. yes, there is a promise Yeah. that if it seems to tarry, wait for it for the appointed time. It will surely come. It will not delay. But I'm, I'm, I'm worried about it being uttered too fast, you know, yeah. and then it becomes kind of a glide shallow (laughs) proclamation of hope so to create that space to just acknowledge the the size of it all the the, the weight of of the issue that that we feel in 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 a variety of expressions before before we are ready to heed to those words of hope and then of course the last word verse from our passage which is really interesting i i still keep pondering about it look at the proud their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous, that is those who have the, the right spirit in them, yeah. they will live by faith. Yeah, I, I found that fascinating too, because I think here in Habakkuk, we do have this real familiar sense of somebody just being like, God, just please help in that sense that I, I guess we were just talking about, in, in that sense of feeling dejected, feeling hopeless, the world feeling like it's swirling around him. And here he is holding on and this play. And yet we don't see this kind of, we don't see a direct promise from God that this will be okay what we see is this, write it down in a tablet so that everybody can see, that runners can see it. So it's almost like write it down on a billboard almost, if you will, as if somehow writing it down 
means that ultimately it will be fulfilled. Um, but then God almost stepping back again and saying, you know, I'm there, you know, that the, the righteous know I'm there. You know, by faith that I'm there and the proud don't. And it's almost like that sense of falling back on what's within rather than seeking kind of external validation almost. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and also the connection between faith and hope, isn't it? I, I love yeah. your image, Lee, of the billboard, because that's exactly, <laughs> that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. I cannot help but think of uh, of people in Ukraine in Ukraine at the moment. Yeah. And that sense of desperate, desperate waiting that they have been experiencing for the last months. Yeah. Um and yet I, I partly that's what they're doing, including billboards, you know, that 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 reminder of the beauty of goodness that is around, even amidst the most, most horrific um yeah. experiences of injustice. So and that's what we need, don't we? Especially as people of faith. We need the reminders. Yeah. We need those billboards. Yeah, and in some ways, maybe, you know, our meetings together uh, are those billboards, right? This this is about remembering, remembering together, reminding each other together yeah. that God's promise is there. But as I say, I just hope we need the right tone, is it? The right language for, for it not to become a, a, a promise that just sort of rolls off our um, tongues, yeah. you know, with great ease, because we are talking about matters of, that are really, really weighty yeah. and really, really difficult. So what does it mean to live by faith for those who want to um, grow a right spirit in them? Yeah. Um, and, and what role does this reminder of God's vision and God's promise of justice, of peace, of shalom, salam, right? That wholeness yeah. of life. What does that mean? Yeah. Um, again, it's it's a it's a it's a long work. It's the whole life work. It is, um, but it, it's also like you say, it is. It is one of hope. You know, I think sometimes we, we're all guilty of it in the pulpit, in our prayer lives, of uttering words that sound good rather than are actually from a, a, a really meaningful place to oneself. And, and sometimes I think you need those, the billboard moments so that you are, you're stopped to look at something that's beyond yourself, even though the billboard itself can't, or the words on it can't solve anything. What it can do is create that alchemy of your faith that maybe gets it, moving gets it feeling hopeful gets it believing in something wider than your circumstances and believing that we serve and love a god of justice and a god of righteousness um that we that we will never in one sense understand but in another sense, we desperately need to understand and hold on to it, especially in such times. The, the, this whole message from Habakkuk feels so incredibly relevant to that 
it, you know, that standing there and watching the storm around you, almost, you know, like the walking on the sea kind of thing, the calming of it and what it takes within you to still that storm a little bit so that you can feel God there. And, and do it together, right? Because that's yeah. the other thing. Um, I, I, well, I'm convinced even in the best of times, we cannot survive without others with no. whom we, we we share a vision and and keep keep refining or keep understanding that vision a bit better, but especially in the times of, well, despair and anger and confusion. Yeah. So again, that billboard is is not just a private thing, right? It's, it's <laughs> no, absolutely not. No, mm-hmm. it's a very corporate thing. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I think there's a sense of flow in the readings that we have God that is kind of there, but still away in Habakkuk, right through to Luke, where we've got a God that's inviting us in versus you you know there's that it's the promise is there but have faith hold on to it to to coming right through to Luke to where we see Jesus actually inviting us into it and and inviting us to come and sit together with God in these times I wondered if you saw kind of something similar as pulling pulling out that theme of how how we all do need to find God in in these times and and you rightly and so importantly bring it that we need to do this together as well indeed yeah yeah well <laughs> yeah Luke is very interesting isn't, <laughs> isn't he well he's always interesting of course but uh, <laughs> what I mean is on the one hand of all the evangelists, Luke is the one who keeps talking about the good news to the poor and marginalized. It's it's yeah. there, and I think many of us, perhaps especially those who are listening to, to uh, just uh, justice in the pulpit, right, um, kind of resonate with. Um, but then also, annoyingly, Jesus keeps including folks that perhaps we kind of have our reservations about. And here we have one of these stories in the person of Zacchaeus. And we can maybe touch upon that. What does that mean? And who are these Zacchaeuses today um, that we yeah. need to think about? But you're very right that Jesus here actually, um, well, Jesus does bring the kingdom of God right near us. And we see him doing that here by the invitation to this common meal. I mean, again, we, we can talk about Zacchaeus being mar- a marginalized one, but in a very particular way. Yeah. yeah despised yeah. despised by those who see him, perceive him as, as somebody yeah. who is a perpetrator of injustice, certainly economic injustice. Um, and the, the, the sort of the general view would have been that it, you can't share hospitality of, of a man. You be, such as this you you become a partner with him in, in his crime yeah. yeah yeah and instead you sort of ostracize him you know that's that's the way you kind of try to convey you know your your own preaching of injustice yeah so yeah yeah um and yet of course that's what jesus keeps doing right he keeps yeah eating people as he breaks the bread shares shares a table shares a meal with them 
and and that's what's happening here and once again he's doing it with the wrong people yeah i mean (laughs) you can't help but parallel it uh to the story of levi where you know he does it there in view of uh the pharisees and yet what for me is fascinating here is that he does it in view of the crowds who will be I would imagine fairly livid that it is Zacchaeus who he's chosen to say, uh, you know, take me to your home and 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 give me a meal. And 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 it's an example for us all sometimes about how we do bridge divides, really, because it would have been if I was. Jesus I'd have played to the crowd (laughs) because that's where our natural inclinations are because actually in inviting Zacchaeus it's almost like saying I'm going to I'm going for to sit with the unjust among you which is is exactly what he's doing but in the crowd would you how would you have felt at that point that it's Zacchaeus the one who openly says he's basically rips loads of these people off they're not privy to the private conversation they're just privy to this this invitation from Jesus come down and take me to your house um and and how we must also be open to bridging divides in in this way and and not just falling into what's easy for us and easy for our faith yeah, well, it's interesting because the, the 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 scripture says everybody grumbled. Really, <laughs> it's just a reminder. Jesus keeps doing that. Jesus keeps, um, you know, going from one side to another, and nobody is beyond redemption. And that is yeah. so difficult to all of us. I think wherever we come from, uh, in terms of our political views and whatnot, it's so difficult to swallow that. So, so that's happening there. And yes, as you say, like make your life so much more complicated jesus but that's what he does of course mm-hmm. um the, the the other thing that you mentioned this is quite interesting because um the text can be translated in two different ways when it comes to zacchaeus's reactions once jesus okay. is in his house and and zacchaeus um says look half of my possessions lord either I will give to the poor, which is how some of our English translations have it, or I give to the poor. Okay. Um, whoever I've, I've defrauded, I pay back four times as much. So you really can't say it from the text. Both translations is possible. In other words, it's either future um, or, or present tense. But yeah, um, yeah. It, it works. I was just thinking about it. It works in my in my first language, Lithuanian, equally well. That So you basically declare declare either your reality or your or your intention and 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 you kind of need the tone of voice to know what is being meant <laughs> yeah. is it still to be done or is it being done now it's i think it's an interesting choice for preachers yeah because it kind of it's two different versions of zacchaeus i think that's quite interesting because probably both zacchaeus zacchaeuses uh exist you know yeah. so if he's already doing that then it's jesus recognizing somebody who strives for righteousness in a very unlikely place yeah yeah 
which in this case there's not so much repentance but precisely you know kind of a re revelation of sorts about yeah. about the human heart that is not always corrupt and yeah. that is trying to to redress um injustice mm. or and I, this is kind of where i think most of us are used to but as i say in terms of interpretation uh, it's not the only possibility but what we're used to here is as a case having this moment of you know encountering jesus and jesus's grace yeah. wanting to share his home a rich home no doubt again yeah a home that probably you know has good security measures all around it and all this and and his reaction is look i'm i'm gonna change my life i'm i'm yeah. I have to I have to deal with the economical side of this, you know, the, the injustice. I think whichever way we look, it's very clear that salvation and economic justice are inseparable, whether it's present tense already happening or um, still in the future. And that's yeah. what Zacchaeus is still intending to do, you know, from that moment on. We, yeah. we have it very clear so it's not about oh look you know rich people turn out to be nice uh you know as as they are no there is there is um there is a challenge there in terms of uh, sharing the resources yeah in terms of giving half of possessions to the poor and so on so there's no no escape from that you know luke remains no, no. faithful to that um emphasis uh of, of jesus's teaching that he has throughout the gospel but I found it quite interesting, you know, in terms of preaching possibilities here. Um, Absolutely. And and that Jesus doesn't ask for this. So no. we do view it as this kind of spontaneous response to Jesus being there. But like like you said, if we look at it in in a slightly different light, it's also who is Zacchaeus trying to respond to? Is he trying to respond to Jesus in terms of getting salvation or is he actually making right with the people around him wrongs that may have occurred is he is he seeking vindication from those crowds around him that that you know however long earlier were kind of like why would Jesus go to his house um is he seeking to make right the community around him? It, there's lots of questions that we can um, tease out of that, that that bring very different understandings of how we respond to God. You know, are, are we doing things out of kind of peer pressure? Are we doing things because suddenly we've God's appeared right in front of us and we've gone, oh, best live a really upright life now um it is a really um it's a really fascinating thing and and what Jesus offers is the right relationship with God Jesus offers the good news at the end of it no no sense of um yeah you know when you look at the rich young rich young ruler and Jesus's response to selling all the possessions and things like that all of a sudden we've got this parallel of a response where Jesus just simply simply you know what I mean offers salvation as as the thing um that makes this right yeah declare salvation to this yeah. house I mean 
it's interesting, isn't it? Because Jesus always seems to call out that core within us that <laughs> that needs to be transformed. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it's explicit, as yeah. with you know, the rich young ruler, whoever he was. In many cases, it's just the sheer presence of Jesus that kind of yeah <laughs> so again you know i've done all this it, wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so genuine encounters with 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 jesus kind of do do you know i think that that's another message isn't it they 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 will be transformative and they will yeah they will point us to to repentance which is a lifelong thing, right? Rather than once, yeah, <laughs> yeah. once uh, in a lifetime. It's it's something that we keep need to keep working on. But it's it's this ability to look at, at at the core of the problem, and in this case, clearly, this this is the core of the problem. Whether already yeah. being worked, if if uh, Zacchaeus already is 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 doing the things that he knows is right, uh, are right, or whether it's at that very moment he realizes the way yeah. salvation works yeah yeah and um, and like you said about the economics you know richness that we see time and time again does not equal um a sense of wellness um that's never promoted um it it may offer choice but ultimately we it's something that we each have to confront within us I think with our own like you say it's that the thing within us that we we need to find peace with and and that's such a difficult thing when times are hard and and as we 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 see now holding on to that promise of salvation and holding on to that hope when we're at the other end of the economic ladder um, is something that is hard to do. We need that invite from Jesus almost yeah. in order to feel okay about this. Mm. Um, whereas with Habakkuk, there is that sense of God being around him, but not quite, but also being at a distance at the same time. And yet we need, I, I feel, I feel personally in that sense of hopelessness and things, is that leaning back on salvation, but also leaning back into inviting God to, to where we are and creating that space for lament, which is so crucial, I think, at the moment, is creating that space of this discussion that we don't see in Habakkuk, unfortunately, because the lectionary cuts it so short. But this to and then throw in, this, this, this pouring out of oneself and allowing that space for God to respond mm. I think sometimes that's the bit well that's the bit I struggle with is the sitting and waiting for the response oh yes I, I might be all right with the lament part <laughs> but then sitting in that 
space is so difficult anyway. But this is what we learn time and time again, especially out of the Old Testament, is this conversation. Um, this yes, this pouring yes. out of, of ourselves and pouring out of God back mm. to us. Yeah. And at the same time, as we wait so impatiently yeah. and with such great difficulty, it's not that nothing is happening. So I wonder whether, in a way, the Zacchaeus story can, can remind us that on a much more smaller scale, salvation might be vis- visible, glimpsed here and there, you know. So, so kind of as we wait for, for, for these big um, questions, you know, their the resolution or, or at least some movement in them, also to pay attention at these smaller glimpses, perhaps, of the good news, um, of inclusion, yeah. of, as I was saying, uh, annoying um, <laughs> crossing of, of the sides that, that God seems to do here and again, but, but also, you know, that sense of the lost being found, uh, whether it's somebody who's lost in the system of wealth and corruption or mm-hmm. in, in despair or, you know, that motive of, of the Son of Man coming to seek what is lost i think that what gives me hope because that yeah that waiting as you say so difficult yeah but as we wait what do we notice it will not answer perhaps the, the our questions in the way we would want to uh at, at, in a scale that we want to but what is taking place yeah has these small yeah. micro stories here and there yeah Thank you, Lena, so much uh, for coming on and sharing your wisdom and reflections with us today. Thank you to everyone else who has joined us to ask whether or how we should preach politics in the pulpit this week. If you enjoyed this episode of Politics in the Pulpit, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share this episode with your friends. We love to have ongoing conversation with our listeners about faith and politics. So do join in on Twitter at pulpit underscore politics or using the hashtag politics in the pulpit or join us on our Facebook community, which you can access through the Joint Public Issue Team Facebook page and their website, jointpublicissues.org.uk. And so the question we leave you with from this week how do you find your faith in hostile times when all around you seems to be difficult and painful where are the billboards of hope for you let us know your thoughts on twitter or on facebook and so let's go into our politics and our pulpits with a blessing May you be anointed with God's spirit as you bring good news to the poor. Reclaim release to the captives. Help people to see the world truthfully and let the oppressed go free. Amen.